Is Across the Spider-Verse any good? Are you sure you want to know? Ladies and gentlemen, patrons and non-patrons alike, greetings, binge lords. My name is Jason. I am the last manager of the last video store in the universe. Normally, I'm ranking movies during a hot, sultry, hot, wet, wild VHS summer. The third annual VHS summer leading to Beach Brawl. Decide which one movie is worthy of preservation for all time, even beyond the end times. Brand new season of Binge Movies just dropped. We just dropped a over three-hour episode ranking camp movies with Kevin R. Brackett from The Real Spoilers, who is now a contributing host here at Binge Movies. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it's doing great, and we've got a lot of great um, interactions uh, on Twitter because of it and a lot of great responses. So thank you very much if I have heard from you or Kevin has heard from you. Uh, got some great stuff over on the Patreon. Just dropped a special special feature which is an audio essay that I do from time to time on the 1980s career of Albert Pune. I'm currently working on the 1990s. If you're like, who is Albert Pune? Well, you know, just go to your local video store in Akron, Ohio, and you will find out who Albert Pune is. Oh, my. Let's roll back the clock, if shall we? Uh, for these instant reactions, normally what I do is I go to the movie theater, I see a movie, I come out of the movie theater, I step in front of a microphone, I give you my thoughts in real time. I'm doing that here, but we have to go back in time to the first Spider-Verse film. Um, basically transformed animation, we're seeing more and more movies that have the look and feel of that first Spider-Verse film. And um, it, it, it went on to arguably be the maybe the best, second best or third best Spider-Man stories ever told on a screen. Now, we could debate this all day. Is it Spider-Man 2? Is it Spider-Verse? Or is it the Insomniac Spider-Man game? Um, if you wanted me to rank it, because that's what I'm used to, I would say... Ooh, Insomniac is number one, really is. It's a modern masterpiece of a game. This is coming from a non-gamer for the most part. And it's a modern masterpiece. It's incredibly fun to play. But beyond that, the story is moving. There are story beats in that video game. It's the only video game I've ever, ever played that made me cry genuine tears of emotion. I think it just absolutely told the Peter Parker story in a fresh, but also very interesting way. It was just sort of plotted out in a very ingenious sort of way. And then it just kind of depends on my mood because if I watch Spider-Verse, I'm like, well, that's it. That's got to be your number two. And I would have said it's my number one. Then I fire up 2002 Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2. Or it's not 2002. It's Spider-Man 2. Sam Raimi. Uh, I got Spider-Man the Brain. I will be covering Spider-Man 2002 by the end of the season. So stay tuned for that. Um, but then I'm like, well, I don't know. This might be better than Spider-Verse. I don't really know. The question we have, that the worry, the question, the thing, spoiler free, that we would go into that you probably want to know about across the Spider-Verse, the second in a planned bare minimum three-part trilogy is, is it a worthy successor to its original film. Is it a good sequel? Because that bar is impossibly high. If I were to rank Spider-Verse, I would probably put it a 4.5 or a 5. I think it's 
might be a perfect film. I think it's one of the best animated films of the last 30 years. One of the best films. It's a, you know, it uh, uh, just instantaneously fell in love with Miles Morales and all of his family and his, his story and just wonderful. I did play the Miles Morales follow-up to the Insomniac Spider-Man game. It's a good game, uh, and it's a good Miles, but it's not this Miles. This story, this particular Spider-Verse version of Miles is magical, uh, is very, very special. They've created something very genuine and heartwarming and akin to Peter Parker, but also a completely original take and a completely original character. Um, and so it's like, that's really hard to follow with a sequel. What story are you going to tell? What are you going to do? How do you move the story forward without upsetting the chemistry? Because if you really nail a character, especially within an origin story, it, it's really hard to follow up, which is why I give the, uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man two such high praise because it surpasses the original. Does this one surpass the original Spider-Verse is across the Spider-Verse surpass Spider-Verse. And my answer is that it is a worthy successor and an excellent successor. It is a excellent part two. It is a excellent sequel. It is in league with the original, but it does not surpass it. It does not surpass it. I'm not going to get into spoilers, but I'm going to let you know two things about the front and the end of this movie, not plot points. When they originally marketed the movie, they originally marketed it as Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. It seems to be that they've changed the name for the third film because at a certain point, maybe about six months ago, at least in the United States, they dropped the Part 1 from the title. I don't know if they fear that that would negatively impact um, box office that people go, well, it was a part one. I'm just going to wait for the part three. Um, I don't know, but they dropped, they dropped the part one. This is the middle chapter of a trilogy. And so um, be prepared that this movie has a stopping point and not necessarily an ending. Um, it has an ending of sorts, but the story is going to continue. Okay. I don't know if the guy sitting next to me, the uh, super jacked, uh, 280, roided out, knucklehead sitting next to me who looked not dissimilar from Wardlow from AEW, didn't realize that because when the credits started to roll, this guy goes, lifted his hands in the air and very loudly said, that's fucking it? Are you fucking kidding me, bro? Just like that. Got up and stormed his ass out of the theater. So I am forewarning you, this is a part two of a three-part story, okay? The next chapter is going to be called Beyond the Spider-Verse. Um, I don't think that's a spoiler. So I think they got away from Across the Spider-Verse 1 and 2, and they got to Across the Spider-Verse and Beyond the Spider-Verse. You need to know that. Also, I think that you need to know, and this is, this is uh, my ding for the movie and I don't know what I would change I don't know how I would do it differently the movie opens with an extended prologue is it 10 minutes is it 20 minutes I don't know but it feels longer than it needs to be that essentially serves as a bridge to between the two uh, stories it serves as a bridge between the first spider-verse and the bulk of the continuity of this film because then there's a, another starting point for the movie where we kind of really launch, launch into it 
and I won't go into any details whatsoever about what's in that prologue, but it does go on way too long. And it's almost, it's almost as if the it's, it really feels like um, when Warner Brothers was having one of its anniversaries, I can't remember which one, they decided to make brand new Looney Tunes shorts. They would just stick them in front of movies. They didn't stick them necessarily in front of kids' movies. They just stuck them in front of movies to harken back to what the Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies used to be, which is little shorts that were played either before movies or in between double features. And some of those made it to home video, and a lot of them didn't. But it, it, like in the late 80s, it kind of had a resurgence. Some of you are probably too young to remember that, uh, but it had a resurgence. And uh, Disney's done it a few times, I think, like fam- infamously when they did, I think it was Frozen 2. They had like a 30, 40-minute Olaf short or something like that. This isn't like that. It's not a completely separate short, but it is a prologue. And it does feel like the movie has started, but it hasn't got got going. I don't know how to describe that without getting into spoilers. And when the movie gets away from that and gets into what it's really going to be, um, it it is to me more enjoyable. So whether that again, whether that's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, that's where I'm guessing it's somewhere it's probably no more than 20. Um, that part didn't really work for me all that well. It was like, what are we doing here? And part of it is there. It, there's a lot of voiceover. And I don't know if my theater, I think there's something that they've decided to do stylistically that did not mesh well with the settings for the audio in the theater that I was in. I was in a Cinemark XD theater, which is their upper echelon, top of the line version of their theaters. They're the biggest, loudest, biggest screens, clearest pictures, loudest sound, whatever, whatever. I couldn't make out what the characters who were speaking in voiceover, regular dialogue, I could understand. But there's a stylistic choice that's done with the voiceover. I couldn't understand what the fuck they were saying. So that was very jarring, and that was very bothersome. Now, that's not the movie's fault. It's likely the theater's fault. But at the same time, um, I wanted to get into the heart of what this story is. And I know why we need to do what we do. And it isn't frivolous. And there is payoff for that, that prologue. Um, and it does factor in to different the characters, their motivations, different plot points. You know, it, it is a sort of a necessary thing. And I get it, but it doesn't jive and it doesn't have the same vibe as the rest of either the first film or the rest of this film. Once this movie gets back into its groove, which again is after that prologue, it just sort of picks up right where we left off with the first film and we we there's a little bit of time that has passed and there's a little bit of evolution some of her characters and it's a very fun interesting colorful beautiful to look at very engaging story with characters that we've learned to love there are many spider-man and spider-women and spider-pigs and spider-horses and spider thems and spider theys, but Miles Morales in these movies may be my favorite Spider-Man now. With again, maybe the exception of Peter Parker in the, in the Insomniac games, who I think is the closest rendering we have ever gotten to um, at least the version of Peter I know from the, the comic books I read. 
and even though it's an updating, it's not just like a 90s um, adaptation. It really isn't at all. Um, if you like spider references in the Spider-Verse, and not just like throwaway references, but just just if you liked what the how the first movie played with different incarnations of Spider-Man, you are probably going to love this one. Um, they really go for it in this particular movie in a lot of unexpected ways. I would say that this movie is not as funny as the first film, but the action is just as good, maybe superior, because we're dealing with a slightly more sophisticated, experienced Miles Morales as Spider-Man. And the visuals, I think, are just a continuation evolution of the amazing animation and multiple forms of animation we saw in the first film. So check marks there. Um, all of the heart is from the first film is in this film and maybe slightly amplified. I would say if you have young children, they may not care. The movie is dark. I've seen people liken it to the Empire Strikes Back of this trilogy, right? That this is sort of the darkest chapter. That this is um, there's a, a heavy emotional themes that run in this movie. And I don't know if I don't know if I'd call it the Empire Strikes Back, but that's obviously meant in praise. But it is heavy. There, it is heavy. It is violent. It is dark. It is. Um, anybody who knows about Spider-Man 2099, is that right? Um, he, he is that character. So if you know that character, the character Oscar Isaacs is playing, then you know that character and they don't shy away from that. And so there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff in this movie that, that I think may scare or be might mess with kids under the age of 10, maybe, maybe, you know, your own kid. Um, it does skew, I think a little bit more preteen teen in its maturity level. So I would say parental guidance is heavily suggested. It's long too. And that, but I don't know if that matters as much for kids because they've just, you know, they've grown up with so much entertainment. Now that is ironically as short as we say their attention spans are most of the movies they're watching are like two hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> Not quite that long, but it is long. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I could get into without delving into any spoilers whatsoever. Um, I will cover not plot point spoilers, but I will engage with what the concept of the movie is for patrons if you want that. I would say this is a movie best served, no spoilers, so I wouldn't listen to that second half unless you just don't give a shit. That's what I would say. Um, so for non-patrons, let me get to the bottom of it. Uh, I would give the first Spider-Verse probably a five out of five for using the letterbox scale, maybe a 4.5, five out of five, somewhere in that range. And I would give this one a five does not surpass probably doesn't meet the original. Uh, that's just the nature of originals versus sequels, but it does. It is a worthy successor. It is a, an enthusiastic four stars. Loved it. If you love Spider-Man and not just, you know, superheroes, but in particular, the character of Spider-Man and what makes spider people, spider people. Uh, and that story resonates with you. Then I think this is a great entry 
into the canon of Spider-Man. Very good. Very, 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 very good. Really enjoyed it. Um, Yeah, very, very much, very much enjoyed it. So uh, that's my recommendation. I would say see it in theaters. See it early before Twitter fucking spoils it. Go to the theater. See it on the biggest screen possible. Let me know in the comments below wherever you're hearing this. Uh, or you can, of course, always tweet us at Binge Movies. Uh, and there's other ways to contact us. We're on Instagram at Binge Movies Lives. We are on Letterboxd uh, at Binge Movies. You find us in those places. Let us know whether or not you the voiceover throughout the film was completely inaudible for you as well. Um, I want to know. I, I've asked other some other people. They reported that it was hard to understand, but not inaudible. My theater, I, I have a feeling it was. I have a feeling theaters are not, not all theaters are calibrated correctly to be able to make sense of, of it. And yeah, so that's, I mean, if you walk away from a movie, that's your biggest gripe is that like, Annette, you, you didn't personally like the Annette, uh, uh, prologue that is necessary to the plot, at least for some people. And um, maybe your theater fucked up the speakers, you know, that weren't calibrated right. That's high praise. So go to the theater, see it, take kids, be careful with kids under 10, I would say. Use your discretion. It's dark, it's heavy, uh, scary at times, I would think. But so is the first one, man. Prowler is kind of scary. That, you know, so maybe, maybe your kids will be all right. Um, can't wait for the third one. Really excited. So uh, if you are a patron, the show rolls on. If you are not a patron, this is the end. So binge on.